This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 113. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. 皆さん、こんにちは。今日もよろしくお願いいたします。Good morning, everybody. Bit of Japanese there to start us off. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Super happy to have you here. How's it going? What have you been doing this week? Have you been studying? Have you been learning? I hope so, because if not, I'm going to come through the airwaves. I'm going to hunt you down and stand over your shoulder until you, <laughs> until you do. It's all about the daily work, isn't it? It's all about the stuff that we can do every day because, you know, otherwise time passes and we realize we're in the same place as we were before. You know, I'm, I'm studying Cantonese right now. As you know, I keep talking about it. Uh, but, you know, I'm, it's hard and I'm finding that really the only way through this language, the only way to keep progressing is to make sure like the, the one thing I, listen, I can't control what I learn, but I can control what I do. And so like for me, like it's all about doing the work every day, studying every day. I can control the process. Can't control the product, but I can control the process. That's what I've got control of. So that's what it is. It's about studying every day. Doing the work. Anyway, I thought I'd start off the podcast today, not with that rant, but by reading an iTunes review from Plains Addict. I believe that's not their real name, but nevertheless, Plains Addict. He or she says, Ollie's podcasts have helped me to transform the way I learn languages and motivated me to take the leap and book lessons with a native tutor. I've always put it off because I'm pretty shy, but Ollie convinced me it was the best way, and I think he's absolutely right. Combined with a few of his other tips, I feel fully equipped to tackle the long, long journey into Mordor, which is just around the corner from here, actually. I, uh, I mean language learning. <laughs> If you want honest, thought-provoking and friendly advice on the best ways of learning a new language, there isn't a better podcast out there. Trust me, I've listened to all of them. Oh, Plains Addict. Thank you very much. That is a wonderful review to see. Um, from February, from a few months ago. Hopefully you haven't changed your mind <laughs> since then. But yeah, no, it's great to hear. And, um, you know, as I always say, like, without this feedback from you guys, um, there'll be no point in me doing this. So thank you very much. And to any of you guys who, who haven't left a review for the podcast, if you'd like to, then uh, simply go to iTunes, go to the iTunes store, search for the podcast. I will teach you a language and click and write a review. I would thank you. I'd buy you a drink if you were here or maybe a cup of tea. Because that's all we drink in England, apparently. <laughs> anyway, I'm really rambling today. Let's get on to today's question. No, we're not. This is all over the place. What's going on? Okay, come on, Ollie. Pull yourself together. I need to thank the sponsors of the show. The wonderful italki. The place where I get my language learning lessons. Language lessons. Wow. Today really isn't going very well. <laughs> language lessons. At the moment, I try to have like about three Cantonese lessons a week. And it is the thing that's keeping me going. It's the thing that's keeping me progressing. If you'd like to get a free lesson, head over to IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. Now, Keith has a question. Keith Swain from Canada. Let's get into it. Hi, Ollie. This is Keith Swain calling from Western Canada. I am also a lifelong language learner and teacher, and I really enjoy your podcast. I'd like your comments on quantifying progress when we're learning languages. Uh, what do you do to measure your progress? Do you count vocabulary words that you're learning? Do you measure yourself on a proficiency scale? Do you take uh, tests? And do you have any uh, other thoughts beyond those? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Ollie. 
Hey Keith, thank you so much for your question. And you know, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you for getting in touch. You know, we are connected on Facebook, and we've had a few few great conversations online. And um, you know, I know that you are a very dedicated uh, language educator, and so I really appreciate you listening to the podcast and your support. So thank you uh, very much. The world needs more people like you. And uh, thanks also for a great question. Now. We covered the question. I've actually put put off answering this question for a little while. I apologize for that. But the reason is that we had another question very, very similar from a guy from Korea, I believe it was, in episode 110, asking how he can measure his progress um, in, in his life in Australia. And so this is a very, very similar question. So I think I might take the angle of the educator and, and taking the angle of, of, of a language teacher and how what kind of things we can do to help our students measure their progress. And, you know, I'm going to be very upfront with you. I don't have a fully worked out answer to this. It's something that comes up a lot. Um, but, you know, if I'm totally honest, I don't do it myself. You know, as you might have gathered from previous answers I've given, like I don't really track my progress. But I, I, you know, I'm totally prepared to accept that this is because it, this might be a one of the virtues of experience. Um, you know, having been through the learning process before many times, I kind of know what's around the corner, and so I don't feel the need so much to track my progress. Um, but I have done things before, um, mostly in Japanese, um, and I've taken exams in Japanese. They have the the JLPT, the Japanese Proficiency Test. That was an interesting goal and target to have. And luckily I passed those exams when I took them. And so that was a good measure of my progress. Um, but in general, what I'm doing when I'm learning languages is I am basing all of my progress, if you want to call it like that, progress targets around can do, concepts of, of can do. And, and these are often known as can do statements in uh, in syllabus creation, syllabus writing. And so it's something like, can I do a certain thing? Can I fulfill a certain um, a certain aim? And this is one of the cornerstones of the, the communicative method, which, as you know, Keith, I'm sure is like one of the you know the major evolution in language teaching uh, over the last uh, 20, 30 years or so. It's like the the concept of can I do? Can I order food in a restaurant? Can I um, introduce myself? Can I interrupt someone who's speaking? And, um, you know, the, because and the reason I like these is because there are certain things that I want to be able to do when I'm learning a language. And very early on, I want to be able to uh, start strike up conversations with people. For example, I want to be able to describe my life. I want to be able to talk about my plans. I, I One of the things I like to do is to be able to talk about my ideas about language learning, because that obviously comes up a lot. Uh, travel, describing London, where I live or other cities. So can do statements for me are are the are really how I measure it. So when I'm starting a new language, the first thing I'll do is say, well, can I introduce myself? Can I talk about myself? And I'll spend, I'll basically do nothing else. I'll start having lessons and I'll do nothing else until I can introduce myself and talk about myself. Now, it doesn't have to be perfect, um, but that you know, we kind of, or we, we do follow, I think, if you take that kind of humanistic approach to language learning, we do follow certain requirements in terms of what we need to be able to speak about and that goes from the personal to the unfamiliar to the abstract so we start off by wanting to talk about ourselves you know my name is my job is to the unfamiliar you know your name you know what's your name what what job do you do to the abstract well you know what do you think about uh the uh, the brexit 
or the European Union or whatever, like concepts which aren't tangible. Especially, <laughs> well, I'm not sure how that applies to the EU. But anyway, we won't, won't go down down uh, that particular rabbit hole. Um, so, like, that's what I do personally. But I am totally aware that that isn't necessarily hugely helpful to people who are kind of engaged in teaching and learning. Although I think that that could be adopted a lot more. Um, so, the, but there are times when I that doesn't work for me and. Uh, you know, right now would be an example for me in Cantonese. I've kind of got to a certain point where I can kind of speak fairly comfortably, but there are all kinds of things that I still need to... My, my vocabulary is shocking. My comprehension is not great. And that's not an easy fix. So, I'm and Keith, I imagine you've probably, I'm sure, got a lot of students in a similar position, that kind of intermediate plateau type stage in their language learning, whatever whatever language that may be. And that's the point where like progress slows down and it becomes less easy to measure. And that's when, but that's the time that you most need to quantify that progress, right? Because otherwise you risk damaging motivation and things like that. So there are all, there, I mean, there are many things I've done. I mean, I, I would, you know what I would do right now is I'd take a Cantonese exam if there was one, but I don't believe there is. Um, so I, so I'm not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's kind of a difficult, but, but I did take exams in, in Japan because they are, they are widely available. Things I do. Um, include creating lists of words that I want to learn. So, for example, combing through my previous couple of months worth of notebooks, selecting vocabulary I haven't learned, and saying, right, I want to learn this. Um, it uh, other things I do include um, set like for example, I've got a book of dialogues at the moment, a great book of dialogues, and I and I said to myself, right, I want to work through and complete this entire book. I want to study every single dialogue in this book, um, and. Again, that's kind of a more process-orientated thing. I, I tend to come back to that. So completing completing uh, the dialogues in a book, there could be verb lists, you know, some or, or frequency lists. And one of the things I did recently was, for example, I got a a frequency list of verbs in English, and I, and so the the one hundred most frequent verbs in English. And with my tutor, my Cantonese tutor, I went through, and I said, right, can I can do I know all of these verbs in Cantonese? Now, it would have been better, of course, to have a Cantonese frequency list, but I did, couldn't find one, as always, with Cantonese. So I took that frequency list and said, right, do I know all of the verbs in this list? And inevitably, there were some that I didn't know, so I went off and learnt them. And so, like, it's it's kind of systematic ways of working through common sense things, like useful vocabulary, frequent uh, verbs the materials and textbooks that we have in front of us. Like, well, how can we exploit those to learn? And so like things that are kind of tangible, measurable, doable. And, and like, I found that for that, that, you know, you don't, as I said at the beginning of the episode, you can't guarantee what you're going to learn, but at the very least you can control the progress. And I know that when I get to the end of this book of dialogues, I'm going to breathe not only after I breathed a huge sigh of relief, um, I will probably think to myself, well, that's cool that I've managed to do that, and I'm sure I will have learned a lot in the in the process. Other things you can do might include s- setting targets to finish a particular textbook. You know, if you have an A2 textbook, let's finish that. That's a good way of saying, okay, well, I've done my best to study A2 German or whatever. You can have a book of short stories, of which I've created many in different languages, which you can find, by the way, at IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com forward slash Amazon. I have short stories in lots of different books. So you could say, well, I'm going to finish this book of short stories and enjoy reading. Um, but 
you know, these are all the. I have to say, these are things that I fall back on when I don't, when my motivation is is lacking and I don't have a clear path forward. It's for me. This is more of a kind of intellectual approach to language learning that I'm not massively keen on because I'm all about the real, the real life. And so, a real measurement of progress for me, it needs to be based on real life and what we need to do with the language. And this is why it can. It's it's so much more of a problem than people think when someone comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to learn German," and you say, "Well, why do you want to learn German?" And they say, "Oh, sounds nice." <laughs> or I don't know. Don't really know. Like when you have no specific reasons or goals, uh, the, 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 this creates problems because you can't link progress to real life things. Um, because you can't say, well, I, this is what I need to be able to do in German, because in reality, you don't need to do anything in German. You're not really that invested in it. So the, as, a, as an educator, like the more you dig down into what people need to do with the language, the, the more ideas will present themselves, which might lend themselves to tracking progress. So for example, I have a private coaching client who I'm working with at the moment, um, who is... Um, I, I can't give away too much information on this, but he is learning um, a he's learning French right now, and he's like very very uh, hardworking, focused guy. He has a very high powered job, and he um, is hard to focus down, shall we say? It's hard to get into focus on on more conventional study because he's just like a hundred and ten percent on everything all the time, easily distracted. And so one of the things that that I've arranged with him to do is to is to I've, I've I've asked him to identify people in the public eye that he really wants to talk to and speak to and debate with, and we're actually going to reach out and contact those people and ask them for interviews, and then he's going to have to prepare those interviews uh, and prepare himself for those interviews so that he can talk about the subject he wants to talk about with them. Now, whereas I'm never going to get him to sit down and study a textbook or memorize a word list you can be sure that once he's got that first person to agree to an interview, um, he is going to work his ass off to make sure that he prepares what he needs to sit down and have that interview because that matters to him, right? So the stuff that matters to you is what you are going to be most, not only motivated to do, but also like that's the stuff where you're going to most easily be able to track your progress. So I do kind of end up to an extent inventing these things, um, but the golden rule is like link it to real life as far as you can. And so for for your students, you know, you have to be creative. You know, do, does a student of yours would they like to go to Toastmasters and make a speech? Could you get them to call a travel agency in in Berlin and have them book a flight in German? Could you have them call up a, a government office in Japan and ask for information on immigration policy? <laughs> I don't know whatever it is. But what can you do to get them to link? their study to real life and how can you break that down and 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 draw like identify progress points from that and that after all is what the CEFR is all about right the common european framework of reference it's it, it's it's establishing abilities and capabilities for practical purposes the CEFR doesn't go into much detail specifically but what it does do is saying like to what extent can you communicate to what extent can you function in, in a certain communicative capacity? That's what it's about. And so uh, in that respect, I think that's why something like the CEFR and, and in general, real 
you know, linking language learning to real life is so important. So I hope that was helpful, Keith. Um, this is something I'm going to keep thinking about and keep um, working on myself. Hopefully in the future, I, I hope to have, um, you know, more, 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 like better thought through ideas on this. Um, but that's what I got. So I hope that was helpful. If you would like to ask me a question, please go to IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com forward slash ask to do that, just like Keith did. Thanks, Keith. So uh, at the end of every episode, I like to leave you with a resource of some kind on the topic of the show. And my friend Kirsten over at FluentLanguage.co.uk has written a blog post a couple of years ago now, um, and it's called How You Can Make Your Progress Visible with a Tracking Routine. Um, Now, this is not the kind of thing that I would do, but that probably means you should go and look at it because, uh, you know, you're only getting one side of the story from me. So I'll put a link to this in the show notes, which you can find at IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com forward slash episode 113. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode of the podcast. Take care.